Amen, amen. As you give, please remember that Jesus now takes plastic. Uh, we have a giving kiosk on the other side of the lobby. Uh, please feel free to use that. And again, uh, if you're playing softball, you can help us out with the benevolence dedication. Guys, thank you. We love you. Thank you so much. What a blessing. That's what I'm talking about, right? I called, you answered, and you came to my rescue. And whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or you're just checking him out, uh, his claims uh, to be God, to be Savior, we all, that's good news for all of us because we all need to be rescued um, from something. Uh, If you're like me, multiple things. And, and Jesus came on a rescue mission. That is the good news. And, and we're going to dig into that. But before I give the message uh, all right now, uh, right now what we usually have is a lot of our kids going upstairs. There's classrooms up there. Um, Children's Church is just going gangbusters. And we're so glad. Uh, Chris Brugman, just raise your hand or stand up. Let, it, let us see you in all your tallness. Chris is the director of our children's church. He prays over this. He works over this. We have beautiful teachers who hold out Jesus to our kids just as we do it down here, and we're just transformed. God bless you. Thank you. Thank all the teachers. Um, But the last Sunday of every month, we do family worship, and we try to do a topic that is easy for um, parents to unpack with their kids and talk more about. So they're here with us, and we're glad. And I'd like to invite everybody who would normally go to Children's Church to come up and sit with me on the stage. We're going to talk a little bit before we yell at the adults, okay? Come on. Come on. It's going to be fun. Come on. Luke, Mia, everybody. The Shanklin clan. Yeah. Come on up. We love you. It's not going to be scary at all. You guys want to come up? You can. Come on. Come on. Sit down. Now, we got this microphone. How's everybody doing? Good. You're looking so pretty and handsome this morning. You know what we're talking? Come on. There's room for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're looking very pretty. That's a nice dress. I don't think it would work for me, but it's working overtime for you. All right, guys. Now, you know what would be better is if you kind of came around here, not so stretched out. That way, if you want to talk, I can give you the microphone easier. Come on, come on. Okay, we're talking about angels. Angels. Has ever anybody ever made a snow angel? You have? You have? Buddy, you've made a snow angel? You know how to do it? You want to show us? Like, show us what you would do if you wanted to make a snow angel. Go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. You would lay down in the snow, and then what? That. That, my friends. All right, good. Good, because they got, like, wings, right? That's great. Has anybody ever seen an angel? No? You, yeah, well, you know what? You have? Really? You want to tell us about it? Um, I was asleep when I did it, but, but I, woke it, I woke up a little, and I got to see it. Yeah? Don't dismiss that. No, not at all. Not at all. In fact, do you know the Bible tells us a couple of neat things about angels. Jesus loves you so much that he gave his angels to do part of his work, to take care of us. Do you know what, do you know what the Bible says? Well, first of all, let's see, um, what do you think angels look like? What's your name, bud? Tristan. Tristan? 
Trust him. Now, do you 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 did you did wings, right? You think angels have wings? Yeah. 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 Cuz they fly, right? Yeah. Who else? What what do you think they look like? Okay. Even the guys have the dress? No, no. No, no. They're probably rocking some slacks or something. Maybe a robe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, What do you think they do? What do you think they do? They help Jesus with their work. They help Jesus with his work. You're absolutely right. That's 100%. That's an A+. It's all about Jesus, right? All the time, all day long. Even when it's about angels, it's about Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna take a look at what the Bible says in Matthew 18, 10. It says that Jesus loves you so much. He says, be careful, everybody, that you don't mess with my little ones. And you know what that is? Who do you think that is, the little ones? That's you, Here's the good news. It's even me and your mom and dad and everybody else because guess what? Their angels are always their angels. You know what that means? That means you got one. You got one. One of these mighty creations of God and they're always in front of God, the Father in heaven looking at his face. You know why? Because they're worshiping him and they're waiting for the next order that Jesus and the Father and the Spirit give them to come down and, and do something really good for you. Okay. Um, another scripture I want you to know is from Psalms 34, 7. And it says, the angel of the Lord camps out. You know what that means? In camps. That means hangs out with, follows around, in front of, beside of, when you're waking, when you're sleeping, when you're in school, when you're at home, when you're playing, when you're eating, even when you're complaining, if that ever happens. If you love Jesus, that's where his angels hang around. So two things I want you to remember. Your mom and dad are going to talk about a lot of other things. But this morning, I want you to remember there are angels. They work for Jesus and they protect you. They're always there. And and they hang out as long as we love Jesus. You guys love Jesus? That's what it's all about. Okay, all hands in the middle. All hands in the middle. Ready? Get them in there. You want to come on? Put your hands in the middle. We're going to do Jesus on three, okay? One, two, three. Jesus! Okay, go back to your parents. All right. God bless you. You want to know how to respond to God? You want to know the kind of faith he honors? It's right there. It's right there. Um, we, have, we are coming off two weeks of uh, when God doesn't make sense, right? We had a lot of tears. We had a lot of looking at times when it seems like Jesus doesn't show up, doesn't show off, doesn't hear our prayers, and how to have faith in, in, in all those times because 
uh, the reason. We looked at the reasons for suffering and, and making sense when, when nothing seems to. If you missed it, uh, please check out those podcasts, not because of what I had to say, but because of the Word of God and the power of God to bring hope and healing where there is none. And so uh, want that for you. And uh, w- those were heavy weeks. We're looking uh, this morning at the other side of that coin. Uh, this is a very happy story, a very light story. It ends very well. Uh, Jesus shows up and shows off in an awesome way. Uh, in fact, uh, we are going to take a look. Here's a little bit of a plot spoiler. Um, uh, he is going to show us a dramatic, miraculous, angelic rescue, a rescue mission, uh, and a prison break. Um, and if we have time, we're going to go through the passage. If we have time, I'm not going like, to keep you here forever, but we'll do a little teaching on angels, what they are, what the Bible says they are not, what say, they say they are, so that you can know a little bit more about this. Um, okay, let's pray and we'll get right to work. Uh, Father, as always... Uh, the opening of your word, uh, the sharing of it, the preaching of the good news is beyond me, um, but it's not beyond you. So I first come before you in all my brokenness. I ask that you heal me. I ask that you forgive me, that that healing and forgiveness um, may be um, spread throughout this congregation. Lord, you have given us incredible wind um, in the past couple of weeks. Lord, uh, it touches and changes everything. So we ask with that same power that you would blow through this temple, that you would blow through these bodies, these minds, Lord, everyone here uh, with your Holy Spirit, and that you would leave us changed and encouraged and blessed as we see the beauty of, of your son, Jesus Christ, and we fall deeper and deeper in love with him. And Lord, we want to leave here changed people. We pray against the enemy, his servants, their works and effects. Uh, we want you glorified um, and that we would see you and, and you only. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We, um, we want it. I almost named this week, Your Arms Too Short to Box with Jesus. Um, you'll see why. Because if you remember, in the beginning of of chapter 12. This is like Acts installment number 39. We're in chapter 12. Um, God has a lot to say to us. Um, But Herod, the king, thinks he's running the show. Um, But Jesus is going to show up and kick butt and take names, and the name he's going to take is Herod. Um, He thinks he's running the show, but uh, Jesus is about to write him out of the script. In fact, this is his second to last episode. Um, He's going to snuff him out next week. You don't want to miss that. Um, Okay, with very good, very good reason. Um, We remember that King Herod has just killed the Apostle James. And uh, just some background on that. Um, We're going to pick this up in verse 3 just to give us some of the context here. Um, Acts 12, 3, if you have a Bible, open it there. If not, there's probably one under the seat in front of you. If you don't have one, that's yours free as our gift for for you to have. Take that home with you. Verse uh, 3, second half of verse 3 in chapter 12. This was during the days of unleavened bread. So this is Passover. This is uh, at least a year It's the same time of year when Jesus was arrested and crucified, died, and resurrected. So this is at least a year from that time. 
And when he, this is uh, Herod, had seized him, he's talking about Peter, right? He put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him. Now, four squads, a squad is four. And four squads is 16. Now, you kids, don't try to do this level of math in your head. It might hurt you. But uh, using my pastor's superpowers, I was able to do that for you. So usually, usually uh, a prisoner in this, um, in this aspect would only need one soldier. He has 16 on a rotating basis, four squads of soldiers. Uh, no surprise that they're public servants, right? They're working for the state. Like, do we have any road workers here? Anybody work on it? Okay, let's talk about this, right? Because you need like three people to hold a sign, and then like three people to talk to the people holding signs. You need like four people to chain smoke and move cones. And then you need like one person to dig a hole. So that's, that's what we got here. Four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So what Herod's doing, we're going to look at it this more next week. He's trying to appear religious, to respect the Jewish religion by not killing him. But he's going to bring him out in front of the Jews because he saw that it excited them when he had uh, James run through with a sword. So he's going to do the same thing to Peter. We're going to see proof of that in a little bit. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer, earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Look at this. Look what the church is doing. They're praying. Can you believe that? Right? Earnest, constant, fervent. The Greek word here is uh, ektenos, and it's related to the word ektenos, which is at that time in the Greek, it's a medical term referring to muscular exertion. Okay? Ektenos is stretching or pushing a muscle to its farthest capability. So we have the church praying as deeply and as passionately as they can, right? How do we pray? Do we pray in that same vein? If God were to say, what is most important to you? um, Are you praying that way for that? This church is, and and we can do that. I want to encourage you. Don't miss this. The church prays and people get set free. That's what's going to happen. I don't want you to miss that. Okay, back to the text. Verse 6. Now, when Herod was about to bring him, Peter, out on that very night. So, Jesus waits until the night before Peter is going to be brought forward and executed by Herod. He doesn't do it as soon as he's arrested. He doesn't do it as soon. He has a flair for the dramatic. So, how many of us have thought God is late He shows up right when he intends to, okay? And he shows up, and he's going to do that. What happens? What happens here? Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Okay, stop there. I want to focus on this. Not that Peter is sleeping between two guys, but that he is sleeping at all. That he is sleeping 
at all because he knows. He knows what's going to happen. He was there. He saw Peter get, he saw Stephen get stoned. He saw James get run through with a sword. He knows what Herod's up to. He knows that that very morning, the night after, he very well might be tortured and killed. And what is he doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. This is the peace that passes understanding that many of us in the church talk about, but very few of us experience. He's sleeping. Why? Because he knows Jesus. He knows Jesus is not distracted. He knows Jesus is not disinterested. He knows Jesus is not defeated. And he knows Jesus is good, regardless of what his circumstances might tell him about how God is or how God isn't. And he trusts in that. He rests in that. God is good, and that's good enough for Peter. And he can sleep. He's sleeping. And some of us need to take a note there. I mean, Peter is sleeping the morning before, the night before the morning when he could lose his life very painfully. Some of us can't sleep when our dog has the sniffles. Right? Or we got a test that we didn't study enough for. Or we got bills and we don't know how how they're going to be paid. And Peter is saying, no, Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Have the peace that passes understanding. He knows it all. He loves you. He's got it all in control. He's got it all in control. It's the sovereignty of God. And that's good enough for him. And he can sleep when the rest of us might be up just worrying. Just worrying. That's God's people. That's God's children. That's what he wants. Okay, he's bound with two chains. Herod's just going overall on this. Why? Because he's got the 16 guards, right? He's got two chains. He's chained between two guards. There's more sentries at the door, which we'll see. He's got, he's got it all. Why? Because Peter is his prized possession, his prized prisoner. He's going to make He's going to make the Jews very happy. He's going to become very popular, very politically successful. What happens? He's bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to Peter and a light shone in the cell. A light shone in the cell. Jesus does not equip his angels with mag lights. They are shining. Why? Because as we saw in the scripture that we unpacked for the kids, they are forever in the presence of God when they're not doing what he has assigned them to do. And this angel is radiating with the glory of God. And the glory of God brings light into the darkness, right? There is light in this dark prison cell in the middle of the night. And 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 it's just shining and glowing. And he struck Peter on the side, which I don't think is a very nice way to wake people up, but, you know, whatever. Bringing them a cup of coffee might be a good way to do that. But I'm not going to question. He woke him up, and he said, what he's saying? He said, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. Apparently this angel had a policy, no shirt, no shoes, no rescue. So here he is, get dressed. We got business to do. We're escaping because Jesus is setting you free. And he did so. And he did so. And, and he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. We're getting out of here. 
Verse 9, and he went out and he followed him and he did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. He's just woken up. He's just woken up from a deep sleep. He's, he can't put this all together. He's confused, but he's seeing this. He doesn't know if it's a dream or if it's real. He's going to know very soon. And when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading to the city. And it opened for them of its own accord. Now, this was before the days when they had those automatic gates or doors outside Walmart or City Market. You still had to have a key. You still have this. You know what's happening here? This is the evidence of what Jesus said. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it, cannot withstand it. The gates opened automatically, automatically. And I would ask how many of us are in chains and behind gates that we can't get through. And I would say in Jesus, he can rescue you from that. He is in a hopeless situation. Peter is. And Jesus specializes in hopeless situations because he is the hope. And there is nothing that man has ever configured. There is no circumstance you can get yourself into. There is no ditch you can dig in a rut that looks like a grave that you can be stuck in that Jesus can't rescue, that doesn't want to rescue you out of. That is, that is the message here. It's great news. It's great news because we're all stuck, whether we're followers of Jesus Christ or not. We're all stuck in something, maybe many things. And the the good news is Jesus wants to come and rescue us from that hopeless situation. That's part of the good news. And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. Got him to a place where Peter knew the landscape, knew where he was, didn't need the angel's GPS anymore, and he left him because his job was done. The angel's job was done there. What happens? Peter came to himself and he said, get this, now. He had woken up. Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting I know for sure that the Lord Jesus Christ has rescued me. He has used the angel, but it is the Lord who has rescued me. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is the good news. We're going to flip forward real quick. I'm going to look in uh, chapter 13, starting in uh, verse 38. Uh, The scripture says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. That means you could not be freed by your own ability, by your own resources, by your own strength, by your own obedience, by your own wisdom. Everyone from everything. That's Jesus' rescue plan. He came and became the very the very sin, the very limitations that we had put on ourselves, that we had inherited by nature and by choice. He became them and died for them on the cross as our substitute for our sins, was buried and rose for our salvation. He has set us free and he has come for everyone from everything. And that covers you, that covers me, and all the things we're not bold enough to admit to one another that we're stuck in. 
Jesus is about rescue. Jesus is about rescue. We sang it. I called, you answered, and you came to my rescue. Jesus is about rescue. Rescuing us from the life that we have made for ourselves and setting us free and giving us new life in him, forgiven, free, to be the men and the women he has created us to be, to set us free from Bad choices, sin, sickness, death, circumstance, debt, uh, bad relationships, everything. And nothing you have done has disqualified you from that promise. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care how bad you think it is. Jesus is bigger than that. You can't find the bottom of his grace. You can't find the bottom of his love. You can't find the bottom of his mercy. You can't find the bottom of his desire to rescue his child whom he loves and put you on a path of life. Out of the darkness, into the light, off with the chains, into the freedom. Out of the anxiety of trying to be good enough and into the reality of in Jesus you are. Amen? Not trying to work to gain his approval, but because you have his approval, living your life in celebration of the fact that you're set free. That's what he wants. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And Peter says, I am sure that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me. I want you to have that same assurance. All of us, I am sure that the Lord has rescued me. And he'll do it again. He'll do it this morning. And here's the good news. It's not something we walk in aisle, we say a prayer, we do it once, we forget about. Jesus has rescued us. Jesus is rescuing us. Jesus will rescue us. This is a continual, continual life of the believer as we follow. Yeah, we're going to step into a ditch. We're going we're to lead ourselves off into chains and bondage. And it doesn't matter. Because he's bigger and he's conquered that. And he wants to set you free again and again and again and again. Until you're addicted to freedom in him. You wouldn't think about walking into bondage. But when it happens, and it will. Because we're not perfect people. The one good thing I love about this church is that we've come to grips with the fact that we're all messed up. We just have different symptoms of the same disease. And the cure for all of us is the same. And let Jesus rescue us. Okay, I do want to talk to you a little bit about angels, so we're going to get going. Some of you needed to hear that. I'll be set free. And he went out and went along one street. Immediately the angel left him. Verse 12. And when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose name was Mark. And many, many of the church were gathered there, and they were praying. Imagine this. See, there's a couple things happening here. Now, Mary is leading a small group in her house, which you can do. Come talk to us about that. And the church is getting together, and they are praying in the middle of the night, which you can also do. But we don't, we don't wait till the middle of the night. We do that here on Wednesdays. We do that in our small group. Come do it. Prayer is the intercontinental ballistic nuclear missile of faith. And we need to use it, take it out, dust it off, use it every moment because it's powerful. Herod's got 16, he's got 16 soldiers and a whole army. And just what? The church has prayer. And they're going to slaughter 
the efforts to oppose Jesus. You oppose Jesus, you lose. You stick with Jesus, you win. That's it. That's it right there. And they're praying, and they're praying. We need to take that out. We need to pray push prayers. You've heard that? Push. Pray until something happens. They are there, and they're going to pray until God moves, or not to manipulate God, but to show their fervency and their dependence upon him, and they're going to accept whatever comes, but they are interceding for their brother Peter. That's what they're doing. We need to pray push prayers. Pray until something happens. It goes on. Verse 13. Here's where it gets crazy. This, this passage just gets nuts. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, see there was a gateway, then there was a courtyard, then there was a house. You got the picture? Okay, so they're separated. He's knocking, but not loud, probably, because he, he knows there's going to be a point where those guards wake up and they're going to come out and, and, and chase after him. So he's knocking at the gateway and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Now, the church is not stupid right? They're praying in the middle of the night. They know that Herod is arresting people, killing people. And, you know, you, can you picture them? They're in the middle of prayer and they hear this knock. What is that? What is that? I don't know. Could be a guard. Somebody's going to have to go check it out. Let's send the servant girl, <laughs> right? None of them get up. They're going to send Rhoda. They're not dumb. You know, this is like have you ever done this? It's the middle of the night, and the ice machine drops a tray of ice, as it always does, right, at this time of night. And maybe your wife, I don't know, might say something like, sweetie, I heard something. See, that's the ice machine. It does that at the same time every night. No, this is different. It's either a raccoon or a man. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, you got to go down in your underwear and turn on all the lights and check it out. <laughs> Man, I, I don't have a biblical reference, but this is your job. <laughs> Downstairs in your tidy whities turn on all the lights. Everybody can see you. <laughs> all right, so they send Rhoda. Now, <laughs> Rhoda's not the sharpest crayon in the box. Check this out. Verse 14. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but instead ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. All right. All right. Thank you, Rhoda. (laughs) Then look at what the church does. Now you know that the Bible is true and accurate because afterward, if they had wanted to mess around with the text, don't you think they would have removed all the times when the church acts like idiots? Wouldn't they? Look at this. Look what they're going to do. They said to her, you are out of your mind. Peter's not set free, but she kept insisting that, they, that it is so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. You're out of your mind. Now, what are they doing there? They're praying, right? What are they praying for? Oh, dear Jesus, come set Peter free miraculously. Come do what only you can do. We're trusting you. And she comes back and says, guess what? Jesus came and set Peter free. And they said, what? You got to be crazy. (laughs) She says, your prayers have been answered. 
And they say, oh, there's got to be some other explanation. Really? You don't think they would have snipped that out if they, if they were tinkering with the Bible? I think they would have. It's amazing what God can do with a little bit of faith, just a little bit. That's good news for people like me who can pray and sometimes at the same time not yet um, be dialed in with the fact that we're going to pray expectantly, expectantly. The church wasn't necessarily there, but God used the faith they had. Oh, but Peter continued knocking. Man, his knuckles are raw now because he's panicked. He knows any moment they're going to come. And for all he knows, for all he knows, his friends inside think he's a Mormon, he's a Jehovah's Witness, they're coming to give him some literature and pretending they're not home. And they opened, they saw him, and were amazed. And now they're not smart because they're making lots of noise, right? Apparently, but, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Now, this might seem confusing because we know... Uh, that in the beginning of the chapter, James was killed with the sword and Peter was there. Uh, this is another James. Uh, this is James, the brother, the half-brother of Jesus, who writes the book of James, okay? The other was James, the brother of John. Just in our day, Jim was a common name. So there were two Jameses, and this James, the half-brother of Jesus, became a leader of the church in that area, uh, wrote the book of James. That's who he's talking about. Tell him what happened. Tell all the brothers. Encourage their faith. Then he departed and went to another place. Why? Because he didn't want to endanger his friends. He knows they're coming after him. Verse 18, now when day came, this is the day that, that Herod's been waiting for. He's going to go into the prison. He's going to get his prized prisoner, Peter. He's going to bring him out before the assembly of the Jews who want to see nothing more than all mention and all faith in Jesus Christ snuffed out, right? And, and he's going to do this and have him killed. And that morning, when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. This may be one of the great understatements of the Bible. There was no little disturbance. My friends, they were losing their minds, right? They had done everything they could do. And Jesus plucked him out and rescued him when man had done all he could do to keep him in his place, right? And they know, they know that they're responsible for this. It has just hit the fan and the soldiers are wearing the catcher's mitt. That's what's happening. Verse 19, and after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries, the soldiers, and ordered that they should be put to death. Here's how we know that Herod intended to kill Peter because the law at the time was if you're guarding a prisoner and that prisoner escapes, then you are sentenced to the same uh, sentence that that prisoner was. So he's going to put them to death because that's what he was going to do to Peter. And then Herod went down to Judea in Caesarea and spent some time there. Apparently he's got a timeshare in, in Caesarea. He's got, he's got safe face. He's got to get out of town, right? He's got to leave. He's embarrassed. He's, Jesus has just said, you killed one of my guys. I let you do that for whatever. 
It's not because he couldn't. It's not because he didn't care. Sometimes martyrdom is, is how the church expands. We don't advance God's kingdom through the shedding of other people's blood. That's what was so jacked up about the Crusades, right? We advance God's kingdom by allowing our own blood to be shed. And so Herod is embarrassed. Herod goes away. I want you to see in this picture uh, a dichotomy of how Satan works and how Jesus works. Jesus rescues people regardless if they're responsible for their own imprisonment. He rescues them in mercy and grace. Satan will use people, and when he's done with them, he will kill them. Herod is a great picture of that. We're going to find out a little bit more about his character next week. Okay, okay. What happens? The church prays. Jesus shows up, shows off. Peter is set free. Herod is defeated. Jesus wins. Jesus on three. That's what the church is doing. That's what they're celebrating. You have the same power, the same power that the early church did in prayer to come boldly before the throne of grace, to petition God for yourself, for your family, for those you care about, for our city, for our college. Dust off that intercontinental ballistic nuclear missile of faith and use it. And use it because when the church prays, people get set free. I want to ask you to picture this. What if when the angel came to Peter, he said, it's time. It's time Jesus has sent me to set you free, to rescue you. And he said, you know what? I don't, I don't really think I'm imprisoned. I, I really don't think um, I'm in this situation. So um, you can save your time. Or what if he said, I'm in prison, but you know what? I can handle this. I can handle this. I'm going to get out on my own. Thanks for the offer, but I don't need you. Both of those things would have been stupid, right? But how many times are these the same excuses that we use not to come to Jesus in prayer and get set free. So we talk about prayer. We talk about rescue. Um, this is what we're going to do. I want everybody to stand, if you would, please, real quick. Um, we're real clear on the fact that we're stuck, right, in different places, different areas of our lives. Um, if you need prayer for anything, for yourself, for someone you love, for something you're concerned about, um, I want you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, okay? Because when you go to McDonald's, you expect on the menu to get fat, right? Okay, that's what's on their menu. On the menu of the church is prayer. That's what you get. Nobody else is going to offer you that, right? So if you need to be rescued in one area of your life, um, if you need God to show up and show off, I just ask you to be bold enough to, to just raise your hand. We're all, all right, all right, keep them up. You see the people raising your hand around you? If you're a believer, I want you to take a minute. I want you to go around these people. I want you to put your hands on them. I want you to ask them what they need prayer for. I want you to pray for them. I want to make sure everybody who needs prayer gets somebody around them who's going to pray. We're going to take a couple of minutes and do that. So if you need prayer, make sure you're with somebody who, uh, around somebody who can pray with you, pray for you. Get your hand, keep them up so that people can see you. Yeah, okay, pair up right now. Do it, do it. A lot of people. Everybody's going to get some prayer. That's right. Come on. 